despite your best efforts to completely sidetrack this from happening, like this is a podcast, so I win, you lose. You guys can't not uncoordinate this. Damn it. <laughs> Who are you? I have been looking forward to this all week. Uh-huh. What's your excuse, Trey? I don't have one. Okay. There we go. So we just, I don't know, it's funny trying to coordinate text between the both of you saying, I'm ready, I'm not ready, I'm cooking, I'm in the shower. I've got somebody over, they're sitting behind me. Uh, and House of Cards, season four. Yeah, I, I this, just, I just found out that started. There's a lot. how much I care about you guys. There's a lot of stuff in March, actually, on Netflix, because, because you know, the show's about Netflix, but, uh, like, Daredevil's supposed to be coming out in, like, a few weeks, right? Yeah, uh, and featuring in the... This season is Elektra and Punisher. Yeah, those those trailers looking real good. Uh, did you end up watching all of uh, Daredevil Trey or? Uh, yeah, yeah. What was on? Uh, they've only still done the first season, right? Yeah, the second season starting up soon. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, how you guys been doing? Uh, I don't know. I've been doing all right, Kevin. Yourself? Uh, I'm I've been doing good, Trey. Thank you. Thank you for saying my name. Uh. <laughs> No, I, I've been packing stuff together and filling out paperwork and whatnot to start up work next week, so fun times are happening. Um, and it, it'll be good to finally just get to work and see what that's all about. Uh, what about you? You guys still doing? You guys have spring break coming up soon, don't you? Uh, yes, yes, we do this week. Cool. How goes the rest of classes and whatnot? I... So you know that um, exam that I had last week that I was freaking out about? Yeah, did you end up doing good? I got a B. That seems pretty good, considering you... What, you said you thought you had, like, failed it or something? I thought I had gotten, like, a 30. Mm. That's always, like, a good feeling. It is. It's a great feeling when when you think that you're doing terribly and it turns out you're doing rather well. Mm-hmm. What about you, Trey? What you have to go school and all that jazz? Uh, it's it's going all right for me. I'm I'm doing my mostly a lot of screenwriting stuff because I'm taking the uh, media writing and uh, writing for the screen at the same time. And okay. apparently, I'm decent at it. So you got that, that World of the War of the Worlds S script that we saw last week. So are you guys actually going to perform that or? Oh gosh, I I have no idea where this is going to go because there's so many people with so many different scripts. We're not like there's not one script at the moment. So I don't even know. We haven't even finished reading everyone's yet. Am I going to see your name on some opening credits as a showrunner in, like, 15 years? Like, maybe at some point, given, like, this and uh, the television appreciation one I did last semester or had to pitch a show, so. I mean, that's kind of like what the media studies department at Greensboro is actually sort of modeled around, is to be either working, like, as a scriptwriter or something, like, I guess in Hollywood or, you know, TV-making-wise, or working to be, like, on a news desk, so... I think I I ended up taking like the news broadcast side of the thing and trying to put as many internet type classes as I could into it and make it something that it really wasn't. But they gave me my fancy piece of paper, so I guess it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm been mostly focusing in creative aspects more than technical on anything. Cool. Uh, so what have you guys been playing the past week, Trey? Every time like I see you pop open Steam, it's just been nothing but Stardew Valley. Man, that if, if if you like Harvest Moon, you're gonna love that game. I I played a little bit of that, and it is about the most Harvest Moon ass thing I've seen in a long time. Definitely so. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I I was 
hilariously surprised that like when I go in there, you know, whenever I play a Harvest Moon game, there's always like goals in mind, like which which person am I going to try to marry, which crops am I going to try to grow real fast. Uh, but I don't know anything about this game except for the fact that there are people to marry. So it's like, okay, that's the one goal I can set and then figure out the rest from there. And so the very first person I pick just so happens to uh, do art and, like, hiking out in the mountains. And so I'm like, great, I just found my, like, actual girlfriend inside the video game now. So, awesome. <laughs> have you delved at all with any of the dungeon stuff that's in Stardew Valley, or have I just spoiled that element for you? Oh, um, no, I, I've done a little bit of it, because I ended up going, like, meeting the Adventurer's Guild guy, and, um, going down through the mine area. I haven't gone any further than that, though, uh, so I haven't seen a lot of it. I've only just, like, I bought the first sword that you can buy, mm-hmm. and that's really about it. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's, like, not quite Rune Factory levels of, like, RPG depth or anything like that, but it's mm. still a nice little extra diversion. Yeah, I never actually played Rune Factory, so... This I've only, I've only idea, heard, like, good things about that. But, yeah, same here. Uh, like, the one thing, though, that really gets me, and I guess, like, it's just sort of the realization that all the Harvest Moon games I've played have always been on some kind of console, because that's, like, a console franchise, is that having, like, an RPG hot bar at the bottom is fantastic. Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah, so just... Being able to actually change my items by scrolling my mouse wheel is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm assuming you're probably going to be playing more of that. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's mostly been that and arc for me. Mm-hmm. Did you got either you see the story about like Stardew Valley being like pirated a bunch, but pirates feeling so like liking the game so much that they like bought it immediately afterwards? I don't know how much I is the game. Sh- I think it's like twenty it's bucks. Be twenty bucks, yeah. Seems like uh, how much was uh that? game that we were talking about last week the whiteness oh the the witness the... <laughs> yeah so whatever i've so often when i've written about the witness i've misspelled it as the whiteness for whatever reason so white uh, so white uh witness was 40 dollars. so much yeah. but uh yeah so uh miguel what about you what have you been playing i've been playing mostly um four games warframe especially mm-hmm. since the new update came out and Saren prime came out um the the return the rise of the tomb raider mm-hmm. um third one what's the third one black desert online oops uh okay <laughs> oops it's it's uh, relevant because politics but anyways black desert and and, and heroes yeah. of the storm cool uh, have you been mess uh, zul how how is he right now zul is pretty good as a melee caster mm-hmm. he's he's super he can really chunk some people down Without even them realizing it. Gotcha. Uh, you, what, how many hours have you sunk now into Rise of the Tomb Raider? Only like six or seven. Okay, so is it like gripping you or is it... I like it. I think that um, some of the issues I had with the first game as far as the narrative is concerned, I have with this game. Like, mm-hmm. they, There's still some of the torture porn elements, mm-hmm. but it's not nearly as bad. But then again, I haven't died yet, so... That's okay probably part of it uh um so correction for myself from earlier uh stardew valley is actually 15 bucks okay so even and cheaper if you also wanted to get the soundtrack that's another five bucks it's a very not quite chip tuny i don't know what it is it's it's kind of simple but it's, it's it's fitting yeah it's hard to explain i'd recommend trying to take a listen to it before buying it it's, mm. yeah 
with most things. Like, try before you buy seems like a lot of people's mantras, and it's interesting. We talk about some people doing piracy for their kind of way of doing that. Me, I, a little less so, but it's like Steam game sharing. Like, the bit of Stardew Valley I've played has been off of the family sharing from your account, which mm-hmm. has been nice. Um, but I think it's the same with uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. I've played it off of... Um, DJ's account, and now it wants me to play it off of your account, Miguel, because you have more DLC than DJ. Yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I got it all for $17. Yum. Mm. Uh, anyways, uh, it was for me, I uh, I finished up the first campaign of Fire Emblem Birthright. That was good. It was not too difficult. It was fine. It was fun. I'm playing Conquest now. It's much more difficult, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit, except when I like invest an hour in a map and lose right at the very end of it. But it's fine. It's it's Fire Emblem, and it's great. Um, and then I guess next week the third campaign for that comes out, and hopefully I'll uh, have uh, finished up Conquest to get to that. So really liking those a lot. It's good to have something to play on the 3DS. Speaking of which, uh, we go to like new stuff. One of the things that sort of like delayed the podcast a little bit, besides trying to schedule shenanigans, uh, there was a Nintendo Direct yesterday. I think it was about 40. It was long. It was almost like an hour. Yeah, it's, so, just speaking to the length, why couldn't they have just rolled out the Pokemon stuff with this? Because, I guess, Pokemon's a big deal. I think that it's also to coincide with... Because whenever there's a Nintendo Direct in America, there's one in Japan as well. The uh, Pokemon announcement for Japan, I think, might have been a little bit of a bigger deal. I need to double-check on this, because... Um, they got their eShop rollouts of the red, blue, or, or I guess for them it's going to be red, green, and yellow. I think they have blue as well. Uh, but it's the first time that the 2DS has come out in Japan, and they're selling those with bundles that come with the game pre-installed. So, and I think it came out that week. So oh, that it's the same week. Also, hmm? also though, there there is a certain amount of like possibly cannibalizing your own publicity. Uh, like if they are revealing Pokemon, Pokemon might end up becoming the center of the show because it's already that popular of a franchise. I mean, you did well, get like the announcement of the new Pokemon, and I, I say that with heavy air quotes because it was just like the best acronym for a Pokemon, you know, versions ever. You know, I'm I'm totally down for Pokemon S and M, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I don't know because um, there was no. Well, I mean, there was. Poke in. That was part of the press conference. True. And the, the, their direct for Pokemon was actually last Friday, or the Friday before last, and then, so it was about a week apart. I don't know. Um, I guess they could have compressed it, though, and just made it like an even hour. Were they even a week apart? I think so. I thought so. there were just a few days. You watched, you, you said you watched it the prior the Friday prior, and, yeah. and you missed it, and then I. Yeah, because I, I logged on. I logged on to Twitch 10 minutes after the hour it started, and it was already finished. Yeah, so that was that was the same weekend that I came over to uh, uh, go see the game club and stuff, and this was just this was a week later. It was yesterday was this direct, so yeah. I believe that is about seven days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, did, did, so, Miguel, I know you got a chance to look at Trey, and I'm guessing you're looking over the document now. Have you seen anything from the direct at all, or...? I haven't seen a whole lot from it. Honestly, Nintendo's very heavily off my radar nowadays. I've gotten kind of sick of Pokemon at this point. It's just, it's, it's been that long. Mm-hmm. What's the <laughs> last thing that you played? Because I know you have a 2DS. What's the last thing you played on it? 
uh, Pokemon or Animal Crossing. Okay. One of the two. Yeah. That's, uh, there's like a lot of stuff here, so we'll just go speed down this list real quick. I was taking notes as the thing was happening. Uh, Star Fox Zero is finally coming out this year, uh, and they're, it looks a lot like Star Fox 64, but they're also bundling in this tower defense thingy called Star Fox Guard. As Slippy has an uncle named Grippy. Because, yeah. Uh, any love for Star Fox at all here? It's a, it's a definitely a neat franchise. It's one of the ones that's been around for a long time. Uh, but that's also part of the reason why I get skeptical about a lot of Nintendo long-running franchises. They've been there for so long, it's easy for them to mess it up at that point. Uh, I'd rather see them make new things. Mm. This does like it does look a lot like Star Fox 64. Uh, Miguel, any love for Star Fox? Or I mean, outside of Melee and Smash, not I'm, I've played them, but they're I don't know. There doesn't seem to ever be much depth outside of the Star Fox Adventure ones. Gotcha. Uh, Splatoon is getting more free content. It's coming in two large forms of free DLC that start in April. I think there's weapons and some other things attached to it, so it's cool to see that game still getting supported. I don't think any of us here have actually played Splatoon. No, I don't want to be a kid. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And I don't want to be a squid. Okay. I... I... I wouldn't mind either of those, actually. I like the the music is really good, from what I've heard. Uh, Mario and Sonic Rio 2016 Olympic Games. Uh, this this looks like Wii Sports, but with Mario and Sonic. I don't know. We should probably just skip it. I just, yeah, like, I, I can't understand. They devoted a, a, a decent small chunk of time to Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Super Mario Maker. There has been 6.2 million courses uploaded to date. That's a lot of Mario Maker courses. That's, I mean, so metrics like that to me don't matter. Since mm-hmm. any game that you have that relies on the back of user content, it's always going to have an exorbitant amount of comp- content. I mean, even Little Big Planet has hugely large numbers and they don't really tell you anything. It's true. It would, there's, there's probably a decent number of those that are just like Hello World maps and stuff like that. It would but, be more surprising if that was a small number. Well, mm. I, I, it's encouraging to me that the game is still getting played, and I've seen lot, like there have been lots of cool sagas and stories that have come out of Mario Maker, and they're getting more tools to make more puzzle-like levels because the puzzle, like the for me, like custom level creators, the thing like. When you make a calculator in game, or you like fabricate your own checkpoints, or make it like an RPG or something, when it's designed to be something that it's not, like I think that's always the most interesting thing. So uh, that update is coming March 9th. Uh, so the game we knew as Fire Emblem Cross Persona, being renamed over here in the West as Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, Sharp Sharp Fe. I yeah. Think God, I'm never gonna get used to that. When I see that symbol, I think of the pound sign, not yep. the sharp in musical notation, but that's it's the same thing on Guilty Gear Double Sharp Reload. Um, I sometimes yeah. think Those of are... it as sharp in musical notation. I just hate that people use it as a hashtag thing now. So. Mm. Yeah, there's that too. The thing is, yeah, too many names. Um, yeah, so... I, all I see is Persona, uh, what, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag iron. Hashtag iron. Oh, because of the chemical symbol. Gotcha. Yeah, nice. What, what a dork. Anyways. How metal? Uh, God. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's everything. Good night, folks. Um, I'll see myself out. Uh, if that were the case, though, wouldn't it be a smallie? Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, this is already out in Japan right now. It's uh, getting a lot of good reviews. It's 
basically Persona, but with pop idols, so... And Fire Emblem-esque characters as your Personas. They really, really do everything in their power to make me not want to play RPGs with good mechanics. It's Japanese as hell. We're going to set it in a high school. Now they're going to be pop idols. Like, I don't want to be associated with any of these things. And so I'm not going to play your game because I'm not interested in the people. Persona 4 Dancing All Night probably did really well in Japan, if this is a thing. The other thing was... I don't know. It was a good-looking game on the Vita, but it's kind of funny for me, Trey, because that's like the other half of what Shin Megami Tensei has become. I know, Kevin. Wait, Shin Megami? Yeah, it's a... A high school thing? Yeah, that's based on Persona. Or, I mean, it's based on... No, no, I'm sorry. Persona is based based on Shin Megami. I got it backwards. There we go. I will Um, fight you, sir. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... I like how it's the same... It's kind of like Final Fantasy in that there is a brand, but then each kind of verbiage is a different kind of subgenre. But to the point now where Persona 3 and 4 are in the same canon, I think, because of Persona 4 Golden Fighter thing, I think? I don't know. Um, what was interesting to hear about this, though, is that there's not going to be an English dub for this game. They are just going to go with Japanese VO and just do subtitles. It's the cheapest way to do it. It is, yep. and like they t- like Bill Trennan, the guy who was hosting, was talking about staying true to the whole Japanese vibe, which I can kind of get. Um, I just, it's, it's interesting to see in like this day and age to be able to bring out major games without having to do the English dub over here. See, I wouldn't call this a major game. This is a crossover game. This is probably not going to make as much money as, as a standalone Persona game or a standalone Fire Emblem game, nor is it targeting the same markets. I mean, it's a major game though for Nintendo and for this console. Like, I think that if it was able to be off the console, we probably would get higher sales and the stuff that I've seen from it, like it's been in the work for years. It's got some production values to say the least. So I don't know. I would, if I had a Wii U, I would probably take a crack at this because I don't know. I'm a big Fire Emblem junkie as it is, and I still need to go play Persona 4. So uh, this comes out June 24th. Uh, does anybody know what Lost Reavers is? Because this is something that had completely sideswiped me, and I've never heard of or seen before. All I could tell from it was that it is. This is the like Monster Hunter Zombies game. Yeah, right? it looked like the one level we saw was like soldiers infiltrating a temple in Egypt or something, but very Monster Hunter esque kind of style. It's by Bandai Namco, so uh, which I guess is the they keep trying to ape Capcom's Monster Hunter in some way. So like it's uh, one degree apart essentially. Who's developing it? Uh, like I said, Bandai Namco. Um, it looks sort of like, I guess, like an M-rated game, I guess, for the most part. Uh, the beta is out on April 18th, and the game comes out a week later on the 24th. Uh, I would assume the beta is open and free to try. Uh, there was another Paper Mario game called Paper Mario Color Splash. You hit things with a hammer, colors in the world, you paint cards, and you use them in battle. It's an RPG, and it's out in 2016. People like Paper Mario. Yeah, I, I I like the first two pretty darn well. I can't say that I expected them to make another one. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this these mechanics will work out. Really, the last like Paper Mario s game I expected to play was uh, Stick of Truth. So mm. the uh, what is it? The Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga stuff that's been on portable has been very close to the Paper Mario stuff. In mm. fact, to the point where the was it Sticker Star Saga or I think it's Mario. It's it's the Superstar Saga plus Paper Mario as well, so two Marios, one Luigi. I don't know. Uh, 
Pokin tournament. Uh, it's this is the other Namco Bandai thing. Uh, that's correct me if I'm wrong, Miguel. This is basically Pokemon, but with like a Tekken fighting system. No, not a Tekken fighting system. Okay, that's what the marketing wants you to believe. This is more so the Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm fighting engine. So more th- free 3D movement then. Yeah, okay. and less dynamic combo entry. Mm-hmm. Similar to to the Naruto game, but it's it's still pretty dynamic. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's not doing that well in Japan right now, but there are arcade cabinets for it. I don't. Well, if you think about it, the only demographic, the the major demographic of fighting gamers who own Smash, I mean uh, the Wii already, or Smash Brothers, already have Smash. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That is, I guess, kind of cannibalizing it on your own market then. Uh. Let's see, what else? Early adopters get an amiibo card for Shadow Mewtwo, who's the boss of the game. This comes out March 18th, 2016, so week after next. Uh, and there's a early access competition one day prior that you can stream. Uh, Zelda Twilight Princess HD came out yesterday. Uh, there are video features of it all over the place. What did you guys think of Twilight Princess? I never got past the first four or five hours of that game. Uh, I didn't ever get into it myself, but uh, my girlfriend Becky's been playing it recently. I actually, she, I think she just got through it again. She's played through it multiple times and seems to like it a lot. Uh, mm. But I, I don't know. Like, I never got into the 3D Zelda games very much. I was very much more for the 2D top-down view ones. Those are my favorite too, as well. Like Ocarina of Time, I played. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a great game, and I like Wind Waker's art style a lot. Uh, Miguel, what about you? Any Twilight Princess experience? This is the only Legend of Zelda game I've beaten. Oh, okay. So, do you like it? I it's it. I liked it fine. I feel like a lot of the criticisms I hear from other people are just. Let's see. It the arguments I hear against this game mm-hmm. sound very similar to to Final Fantasy arguments about how things not being Final Fantasy Seven. I don't know, like for me, this was like a very Zelda ass Zelda game. Like it was sort of like a. But it wasn't Ocarina of Time. It was kind of like a darker take on it, and there's a lot of references to it. I don't know. It just it's like it was a thing that everybody wanted historically after Wind Waker, and how like the public reception of the early previews of Wind Waker, like not that Space World demo. Like we could go into the whole history of that, but I don't. I I, I mean, the thing is with the Zelda series is like they always the story always looks similar because it is pretty much rehashing the same idea over and over again. Hero needs to save place from Ganon. Uh, and that's pretty much the main thing. And that also reflects, like, the idea that they're trying to spread in the storyline that basically Hyrule is, like, going through changes and this, the hero getting this kind of... This cyclical kind of universe thing. Yeah. What, what has happened before... All this has happened before and it shall happen again? Yeah. yeah. Let's go Just pick up our Hyrule historias and figure out how this all goes together. Split timelines and whatnot. Uh, there's a new loyalty program right now that's going to replace Nintendo Club. You Basically, you play apps and you buy games, you earn points, and those get used for stuff. I don't know what stuff yet. Uh, the only other mention was that the Miitomo, their social network app thingy, uh, is going to be coming out soon, and this program links into that, so. Uh, Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge. This is a... I think it's on Wii U and 3DS, but basically it's a game that uses all of the Amiibos, as far as I can tell. You pluck one down onto one of the NFC receivers, and you get an exclusive level and a mini version of the character you put on to play. They're all, like, side-scrollers. This is probably something that could have been used at, like, the Amiibo launch. But... Yeah, 
um, so one of my major criticisms with the Amiibo was that there just wasn't enough content. Like, mm-hmm. you buy this, and it's, it's cute. You have it. It does something. But this is, like, the first time that it actually gives you stuff. Kind mm-hmm. of how some people thought that this would be a version of physical DLC for games. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. It's Yeah. So, this comes out physically, I guess, on a disc on March 25th, if you purchase an Amiibo from, I guess, GameStop, which is doing it. Otherwise, I believe it's free to download on April 25th, uh, one month later. Uh, I don't think any of us here have Amiibos, right? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for my... Um, what's what's her face? Ah, it sucks that I can't remember her name. Impa, my Impa Amiibo. Gotcha. I, I've been kind of tempted with the Fire Emblem ones just because there are extra characters and things to get, but I don't think it's worth like 10 bucks a piece, so. Uh, this is the pro- this is the announcement that made me happiest. Virtual console update for the new 3DS. Uh, basically they're getting Super Nintendo games. Uh, this past week, uh, Pilot Wing, Super Mario World, and F-Zero, uh, all came out on the three, the new 3DS eShop. Oh, of course. Yeah, so like you guys have either a 2DS and a regular 3DS. You guys apparently can't play this. I don't think there's anything in the system hardware that would make Super Nintendo games this hard to emulate. So I guess it's just incentive to update to new 3DSs, which I really can't recommend. Like, yeah, artificial obsolescence. More or less. Like, like I, I have one of these new system, new XL systems, and it's nice. It's great. Like The main reason I bought it, though, is because my old 2DS got a pretty big dent in its screen, so... I, like, See, I got so angry because Nintendo does this with their handhelds so often. I, I, I bought my 2DS, and like not even two months later, they announced the next one. It's just like, yeah. what the heck? Yeah, I mean, but, like, but this is the first time that there has been a substantial hardware difference. Yeah. I mean, that to the point where you're making things playable on certain versions of the hardware. Like, even yeah. the DSi didn't. The DSi had unique downloadable games, but I think that was it. Um, it's, yeah, like a weird sort of quasi-fragmentation of the player base. And, it, like, I'm glad to note that some of the bigger games that are coming out on the 3DS are still, aren't going to adhere to this. Like, Fire Emblem for me is a big release title for this. You can play them on any kind of version of the 3DS. Uh, same with Monster Hunter, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, these are all priced at about eight bucks a piece, and we're getting some other classics like Donkey Kong Country and, uh, Super Metroid. Do you, will, would you guys play pay eight dollars for a Super Nintendo game or? Super. Well, I don't have anything to play it on, so no. I mean, yeah. I could just play it on my Super Nintendo. Okay, so there you go. Uh, I might pick up Super Metroid, but and I was tempted to just try out Super Mario World because that was a great game. But uh, it would be nice to see more stuff on the Virtual Console things on the 3DS because there are some cool things on there. There are some cool, Nintendo has made some cool games. I think everybody could. That's a safe statement, right? Uh, they they make some cool same games. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was what if there was one game that you could just have on the go for your like 2ds, 3ds from Super Nintendo or back, is there anything that they haven't put out yet that you would like? Probably not. No. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. I I can't access them, so I don't really think about it. Okay. Uh, you know. It's it's very much a de- the fact that they keep doing these upgrades is very much a deterrent for me even getting invested in Nintendo anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking about this on this topic, a lot of people uh, people keep asking me if they should get a Wii U, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, there, I have had a lot of arguments with people because they're like, it's really cheap. It's $150 or $175 or whatever. And I'm just like, don't buy into the Wii U until we know what the NX is. Uh, the only, like, advice I could give for buying in the Wii U is, like, if you are happy with the game library that is currently out right now and these are games you feel like you need to play, then, like, because I would not make bets on anything besides Star Fox and Zelda. And even with Zelda, like, probably I wouldn't be surprised if there was a simultaneous release on the NX. I can't even recommend that because what if the NX is backwards compatible? That's, then you're I mean, yourself $175 out of a purchase. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, they Nintendo has actually been really good about backwards exactly. compatibility. So, it's it's kind of interesting. Like, the thing that everybody wants is now making everybody cautious, and it's not a system seller. Uh, uh, let's keep going. Something called Pocket Card Jockey. This is solidary with horse racing on the 3DS. This was really weird. I suggest going to look at the clip just to see how weird this is. Can this guy make anything that doesn't have pocket cards? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, is it actually solitaire? I, I don't know. It's sol- It is solitaire plus horse racing. That's all I can tell you. It was really weird. Uh, Azure Striker Gunvolt is getting a sequel. Uh, this lets you play as the rival character in the game. He's basically a Mega Man. He can absorb boss powers. Uh, this is out on March 2nd. And No, I'm sorry, Wait. no. I got it backwards. Two comes out during the summer. Uh, from March second to June first, uh, this game is uh, the first game is ten bucks. You're oh right. I know what you're about to say because it was time traveling. This game came out yesterday. Why did you guys not talk about it? Um, Wait. So this game might come out before Mighty Number no. Nine. The sequel to Azure Strike Gumball might come out before Mighty Number no. Nine. I don't think we got a hard date on Mighty Number no. Nine yet. So yes, yes, it very well might. Oh my god. <laughs> This is bad too because this is Integrates, the same company that makes uh, Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, I really, I used to love Integrates, but they really need to get their stuff together. I'll need to take about ten, fifteen minutes if you guys want to take a break. All right, yeah, right I can back. use this for a cigarette. Actually, I'll be right back. <laughs> on the list was Fire Emblem Fates DLC. This there was nothing new on this list. This is the same DLC that came out a year prior in Japan, so that was a thing. Um, Hyrule Legend Warriors, I'm pretty sure same thing. I don't think there was anything in there that we didn't already know, right, Miguel? Uh, Medley from Wind Waker, uh, Crossplay... No, all of it seems pretty fair. Okay. Uh, there was Disney Art Academy, which is draw Disney characters on your 3DS. It's like that yeah. Pokemon, the Pikachu game. There, there you go. Um, Bravely Second Inlayer. I think this was new because we got 
information that there's going to be a demo coming out for the game. Yeah, uh, and it's going to have its own little uh, story bit. Yeah, it's similar to the same thing that came out with uh, the... What was the first game called? Um, yeah, Bravely Default. Right, gotcha. Okay, so this is a sequel to that. Right? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah uh, you're pretty psyched for this game, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm more psyched now that <laughs> Catmancer exists. That's, yeah. When they said that, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, trading your cats with blue mage skills, essentially. That's, that's a pretty good take on making it not Final Fantasy, but it, it, guys, this it, is Final it, Fantasy. It's blue mage. But instead of you casting the spells, it's your cat. That's actually pretty interesting. It reminds me of a Dungeons & Dragons game I was playing with my roommate Dan, where he made a Weaselmancer, who was basically a goblin druid that just focused in summoning weasels and making them better and doing things with them. Mm-hmm. I just I want to be able to name one of the female characters, Gale, from from uh, Bob's Burgers, mm. with all her cats, and just cast spells with her I mean, cats. Yeah, it's just like crazy cat lady, right? That's going to be the name. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so if you do stuff in the demo, it transfers over to the main game, just like they did with Bravely uh, Default, so, you know, I encourage you to give that a shot when the demo comes out, end of next week, I'm pretty sure, uh, and the game launches on April 15th. Uh, they are remaking Dragon Quest VII, uh, for 3DS, I believe. Uh, it's essentially a brand new game, it's kind of like what they did with Final Fantasy III, IV, I guess I, I don't know if five also got this treatment on the DS where they just remade it from the ground up in 3D. So uh, they're doing that with this, which is cool because I believe this was a PlayStation game prior, uh, and that's out in 2016. This was maybe the most surprising thing to see that uh, over in Japan the game's called Monster Hunter Cross. It's going to be called Monster Hunter Generations over here, probably because we don't want to get Christian illusions on our Monster Hunter games. Uh, this is coming out this summer, which, considering the long wait we had for Monster Hunter 4, which is like almost two years waiting for the G Advanced Edition to get over here, it's like a very quick turnaround for what was a winter release for them last November, I want to say. Um, so that's cool. They're adding a lot of stuff for people that haven't followed, like different styles to ba- to base your weapons around, kind of similar to... What was the... Is it SNK versus Capcom that did the V-ism and... Yeah, Capcom X- versus SNK. Yeah, it's kind of like that. You're going to get, like, a super meter, essentially, and um, different kinds of modified move sets based on what you uh, what hunting style you pick with what weapon. So this expands, basically, like, makes 15 weapons more like 60 weapons, almost. Um... Let's see what else is going on. Uh, there's a save data transfer from 4 for bonus content, which they've done with other Monster Hunter games. Um, I've got it marked down here. Uh, the Monster Hunter 4, which is the, like I said, the most recent Monster Hunter that came out on 3DS, that game is $20 for the next three days, so I'm guessing up till Sunday. If you've not played Monster Hunter, it's a pretty good way to get into it. Um, and you're getting uh, Marth DLC for this new Monster Hunter. <laughs> Um, I guess I'm the only guy here who's a huge fan of Monster Hunter, huh? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if I could just get four people with 3DSs and just get them to hop on, some of the most fun time I've had was with Monster Hunter on PSP back when I was in high school. I mean, really, that's the game that I would much rather play on an actual console or the PC <laughs> with the larger screen in front of me. There there are games like that on console and PC. Uh, PC. There's uh, Tokiden. 
Mm-hmm. Kiwami is on both. PS4 and PC. And if you're in Korea, there's actually a PC version of Monster Hunter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently it's buy to win. Or pay to win. Basically. Well, uh, it is in Korea. Hmm? Say again? It is in Korea. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of those days from there. Yeah. No, I, I don't believe there is a version of that in the U.S. So. Uh, finally, we got Metroid Prime, well, I guess... Federation Force, which we got shut off at last E3. Um, I'm kind of digging this a little bit more after seeing it in like longer action, and I'm like actually kind of down with the SD playstyle. And it's basically just like a full co-op version of uh, Metroid Prime, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, if you were curious at all about this game, I definitely would recommend taking checking out the Nintendo Direct for this because there's a lot of stuff on it. And the last two things were Rhythm Heaven, Mega Mix, and Kirby Planet Robobot. It's a greatest hits of Rhythm Heaven, and it's a new Kirby game, so that about sums it up. Uh, I thought it was a lot of good stuff. I thought it was a lot of stuff, actually, at this Nintendo Direct, which is cool to see that there are things coming out almost every month this year from Nintendo. And this is not including, like, the NX stuff we're going to hear about, supposedly, around E3 time. Uh, Miguel, what did you think? Uh... I mean, the only thing that I I saw in all this that I didn't pre- pretty much know about before that I enjoyed was the Kirby game. Mm-hmm. Remind me of Shades of Kirby, uh, sixty four and Mega Man mm-hmm. with a robot. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's a little weird when all, when almost everything is all first party games. I mean, yeah. Like, there's but only it... a couple of them that aren't. Mm-hmm. Some, like, the Bandai Namco stuff, so. Uh, and Capcom. Trey, any interested anything at all from this Nintendo Direct, or? I, I, I mean, like, there's a lot of things that look neat. Mm-hmm. But when it comes right down to it, like, I don't have a Wii U or the new 3DS, and so there's some things that are just closed off to me that I'm just not going to get to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm really more just waiting to see when they actually really reveal that next console. Yeah. Well, like I said, that is only, I guess, a few months away. Uh, E3 will be here sooner rather than later. Uh, okay, let's get down to some other... I, well, I guess this was also on here from week prior. There was, like, we talked about a little bit before, the Nintendo Direct from the week before was uh, the Pokemon 25th anniversary. Uh, Red, yellow, blue are out on the 3DS eShop. They also have foreign language versions of that game. You can get the Spanish version of yellow, for example. Um, as different downloads. Um, and, yeah, they announced the new Pokemon, so, yeah. Pokemon Sun and Moon. Yeah. I, that's literally all we got was the names and some people working on 3D models. We haven't seen anything other than, if you have the eShop versions of the red, yellow, and blue, you can transfer Pokemon from them straight to the newest game. Thank. So, yeah, the, I guess it goes to the bank, and then that goes to the new game, which is their subscription service. Uh, yeah. So, a lot of stuff from Nintendo. There's been Dark Souls 3 content uh, coming out this week. Uh, I guess, let's see, the game, Dark Souls 3, actually comes out March 24th in Japan, and then a little bit later in April for the U.S. Uh, right now, they're giving select streamers and news outlets 45 minutes of footage that they can show up till March 24th. And there's a lot of cool stuff that's in there. Um, I'm probably the biggest proponent on the show for Dark Souls games. Uh, 
Miguel, you were kind of on board for Bloodborne for a while there. Yeah, I like Bloodborne. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in, in Neo. Mm-hmm. Just, like, I love Japanese folklore, so... Yeah. And then, Trey, I I don't, I know I gifted you Dark Souls 2, but I don't know if you've actually opened that up, have you? Like, I, I have it. It's in my library. I haven't installed it. Um, I, like, I played Dark Souls. I played some Dark Souls 2, to yeah, 2 at another friend's house. And they're good games, definitely. Nice mechanics. You can do some min-maxing in them, which I always enjoy. But there are those types of games that you do have to practice and get good at. Mm-hmm. if you want to really progress into them. And I've just got so many other games that I don't feel like taking the time to go out of my way to to do better. So. Mm-hmm. Okie doke. Uh, yeah, if you want Dark Souls content, it's out there, though. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, there's also something to recommend about going into one of those games blind. Uh, VR headset stuff. We've gotten some known news for that. Uh, a lot of outlets are getting... Uh, close to retail release versions of the HTC Vive, or Vive, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and we also got a price on this thing. It is an $800 headset, and I believe it's currently maybe the most expensive virtual reality headset, if I'm not mistaken, that's had a price attached to it. Um, it is. So, like, outside of what the competition is, the Google one, the Samsung one, the... Uh, uh, Oculus Rift and the PlayStation one. This is by far the lar- the most expensive one. Well, the only other one we've actually gotten a hard price on, I'm pretty sure, is the Oculus at six hundred. Yeah, five nine nine. And then there's also the Samsung's like headset that works with their phone, and that's a hundred dollars, or you get one free if you buy one of their new Galaxy phones. Which, uh, have you guys ever heard of LGR before? Blazy Gamer reviews. I've so, heard yes, of that, yes, but yes, I don't yeah. really know it much. Yeah, it's a YouTube channel. He's like known for doing some retro stuff, some thrift shopping things. He's got a really cool about 15, 20 minute breakdown on the, uh, once again, Samsung's little $100 version, like in the pros and cons of that. It's totally worth a watch. Um, the other, okay, so the Vive also though, for its price, it comes with two of their 3D controllers, as well as two games that are supposed to help show off the unit. Um, Let's see what else. And there are wall mounts that are associated with uh, like head tracking position and little things. Uh, GameSpot's The Lobby, their podcast video YouTube show, they recently op- unboxed one of these, and you can see exactly what comes in uh, one of these cases. So if you want to see more about that, I'd recommend checking out The Lobby. Uh, and then the last thing was the HoloLens. Um, this is kind of weird. So this was the uh, augmented reality thing that uh, Microsoft showed off at E3 last year with the Minecraft demo. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've opened this up for developers now, but the system to get it is a little bit wonky. You have to pre-order via lottery, so there's only a limited number of these units being picked out. And if you get picked, you have to pay Microsoft three thousand dollars to get one of these, which essentially is a apparently a computer on a headset. Like, it's got its own internal RAM and things like that that hooks up to another PC to, do, as well as some, like, internal demoing things to do it with. Uh, but it's worth noting this is not virtual reality. This is overlaying a computer image on what you see, kind of closer to Google Glass. But, so augmented reality. Yeah, more powerful. Uh, I would imagine that if HoloLens ever becomes a consumer device, it will not be $3,000, but... Um, I don't know. 
everybody here is still, I'm assuming, the wait-and-see mentality when it comes to VR headsets. Definitely. I, Go ahead. Okay. I just want my dreams of um, dot hack sign. Yep. Need to fall into a coma and save a digital world to exist. Gotcha. Uh, I'm still curious to see what the PlayStation VR's price point comes in at. Because uh, if I was going to jump on any of those, I think that would be the one I'd be willing to try out, assuming that it is the on the cheaper end compared to all of these. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not going to be any kind of early adopter in this. I'm going to wait till like the decent end ones are at a consumer price point I can deal mm-hmm. with. Uh, Miguel or Trey, did you guys put in? Which one of you guys put in the stuff about Phil Spencer? I did. Okay, so give me some summary stuff on this. So he basically just um, mentioned how he, just about how the Xbox kind of, they're thinking about doing this modular upgrade system kind of with hardware, where in the future, he didn't really clarify, it's just in the future there would be either iterations of the Xbox or peripherals that increase the um, capacity of the Xbox to perform better. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it was kind of all over the place. And uh, one of the things he said was that Sony is doing something similar with their VR technology, that the PlayStation VR headset is its own device with its own RAM and stuff like that. So it's not clear if he means that if you're, you're going to be able to open the inside of your Xbox and put in like better stuff inside of it, mm-hmm. or just buy things to attach to it. And it's it's kind of... Dipping back into that idea uh, of the Xbox being more of a PC, mm-hmm. I don't uh, know. It's weird. Yeah, so if I had to guess, it would probably be connections via USB would be, my, like I said, my educated guess on this as opposed to like a Sega 32X of stacking onto some sort of outlet yeah. on the system. Um, or, like I said, I would not be... Uh, it would not be unfathomable to think that there would be other versions of the Xbox One that come out in the future. The same thing happened with the Xbox 360, and there were slight bumps and things like disc reading speed and whatnot. They were not; they didn't lock out other games or anything like that, but they were noticeably better than the launch version of the 360. Um, and it's yeah, more or less sort of confirms what Sony was doing. Like uh, uh, that, the PlayStation VR is probably going to have a little small breakout box that has its own processor to go with the Project Morpheus headset or PlayStation VR. I would expect that probably also plugs into the dual USBs in the front of the uh, the PlayStation 4 and probably will give you extra USB ports as well to as a pass-through. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about the idea of upgrading your... Uh, or I guess I guess Miguel, you're the only one that actually has a next, the current gen console at the moment. I think it's um, stupid. Mm. Not because oh. I don't want people to have better devices or anything, but the problem with this mentality is the whole one of the one of the major advantages that consoles have above um, PC is that consoles have a standard architecture that makes it easier for uh, optimization or, or easier for the consumer where they just plug it in, put in a disc, and then they can play it. There's no having to mess with 
um, your computer bias for tr- for troubleshooting or having to mess with drivers for your graphics cards or updating these things and stuff like that. It's all done on the console. And when you start making it that much more modular, it strips that identity, strips that convenience from, like, for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And I feel... It's just it just seems like they don't need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I will say, like, these consoles compared to other consoles have been much more friendly in terms of opening up their internals and upgrading their... Mainly, it's been hard drives people have been upgrading for, the like, the PlayStation 4, for example. But I still don't expect the typical consumer to be able to swap out components, like... The, like the most I think is going to be is plugging in USB stuff. I don't think that you're going to expect to right. do surgery on your own system. Well, uh, you say these I, things, but sorry, but you say this generation. But the same things could have been done last generation. This isn't new or innovative technology. The, the PS3 could you could swap out the hard drive. The Xbox 360 you could plug in a remote hard drive. Like there is no difference. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about the actually opening up the PS4. The the way that the PS4s designed is that oh you just slide open the thing exactly it's a lot drivers it's a lot easier to do essentially because it's like mounting a laptop hard drive more or less like the bracket is it's made to be more or less consumer friendly all right Um, well uh we've got a very long history of being able to hook up extra peripherals and things to our systems in general with consoles However, the primary thing with consoles has always been they're bought because it's something that just works out of the box. If you wanted something modular, you would end up getting a PC so you could build up with that. Like, one of the big things with VR, since that's like one of the things that it's talking about with the Xbox One here specifically, uh, like, what is it? I think the Oculus Rift guy said that, yeah, they develop a VR headset for Mac when Mac makes decent computer. And, yeah, I saw that statement. <laughs> yeah, and like one of the things with that is because like Mac prioritizes different things than PC. PCs are just more modular, and so people are able to upgrade to higher specs with a lot of different things. Uh, and you know, everybody always wants more out of their experience. They want to get more bang for their buck whenever possible. But yeah, introducing too much mod- um, modularity to the systems is going to end up possibly screwing with your market base. You saw what happened when they tried to add the Kinect. Uh, people also, back in the 90s, ended up eventually rebelling against like so many extra peripherals being put on their systems. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a slippery slope to go down. I wouldn't recommend it personally. Gotcha. Uh, ready to move to the next story, or does anybody have any last uh, thoughts? Uh, I just... I, I like... I want the Xbox to exist. I want the Xbox to be competitive or even overtake the PS4. Mm-hmm. But I just... So many... This on top of Quantum Break and... I, I, I'm getting very cynical about things that are happening with the Microsoft uh, with Microsoft and the PC relationship. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Uh, right. On the other side of things, Sony has got a new update for the PS4 um, on its OS feature. It finally has an appear offline uh, feature. So if you want to play and you don't want people to bug you, you can do that. I guess it only took two years, but they figured yeah. that out. But still not how to change your profile account name. So uh, Other things that were unsupported, schedule events, play together, and daily motion support. Like the website daily motion? Yeah. Okay, I guess that's like, a thing people uh, clamor for. 
Yeah, I mean, probably not in this country, but in different countries, it's probably more re- culturally relevant. Gotcha. Uh, on the delay side, Mass Effect Andromeda has more or less been confirmed to move to 2017. The way this stated is kind of confusing. Like, Damn. Was it Blake Jorgensen referring to the game coming out on EA's fiscal fourth quarter, which is not calendar fourth quarter? That's... For, that lines up with first quarter calendar stuff because that's just when financials end is at the beginning of March. Um, so we're looking at a release date between January to March of 2017. I never expected this game to come out in 2016, honestly. So I, I mean, I, I agree. I'm never. I when's the last time a AAA game came out on this initial announcement date? Fallout Four. Sure. But but see, but the thing about Fallout Four was that they didn't announce until the release was imminent, right? And like that was the only like that went against so many different things about running that two-year press cycle. And like I was thinking, maybe other companies have gotten smart. Maybe EA is going to do this with like, hey, we're going to show like thirty minutes of gameplay of this new Mass Effect D three, and then oh, it's out this fall. Like I was thinking, maybe they take something from their book, but I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Hmm. Um. Speaking on the delays here, Uncharted 4 Thieves In, that has gotten delayed about two weeks. Um, it's going to come out on May 10th. Uh, I just threw this funny note in here because I was actually listening to old podcasts for whatever reason. At one point uh, last year, I guess, we were talking about how uh, Arkham Knight got a two-week release uh, delay. And we theorized that it was probably just bug fixing. And look at where that game came out in terms of bugs. <laughs> so... We kind of, like, called it, but in the opposite way. But wasn't uh, that, like, Warner Brothers Game Studios? Yeah, it was, but it's just, like, it was the other time that... I mentioned before, because I had never heard of a game getting delayed for just two weeks, and we were yeah. talking about why. Like, what can you do in two weeks? And then we're like, bug fixes, I guess. Like, I'm hoping this is not going to be another Arkham yep. thing. And, uh, like, like, you're only building it for the PlayStation, so hopefully you don't have to worry about optimizing for the PC or whatever. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, do you? Yeah, Miguel, you've been talking about Black Desert a little bit. It's had a bit of a rocky launch in terms of like pre-order stuff, uh, but you're in the game right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So how has launch been for you? At least Laun- for- okay. So a lot of the complaints about launch are kind of overblown. Okay. So what happened was when people uh tried to redeem their pre-order items basically they weren't immediately getting them it would take one maybe one, a day and a half in order to get them but that mm-hmm. wasn't the issue that was just people bitching mm-hmm. like as people so often do when they feel entitled um the big problem and i put quotations around big is that there was a mistake when they uh, made the servers for two of the North American servers. Because mm-hmm. the way that the servers work is you have three servers and then you have multiple channels underneath each server. So you basically have... Um, it's like a server-mega-server relationship. Except uh-huh. you have three mega-servers for the NA uh, community. And one of the problems was that one of the servers for the Adon mega-server... One of the channels wasn't actually hooked up to Adon. It was hooked up to a different uh, uh-huh. server. And so people who thought they were playing with a, a, one segment of the community realized they weren't. And 
So this also extends, though, into something else of people being able to reserve their names uh, yeah. weeks prior, and essentially they're getting put their names reserved onto the wrong server as well. That's kind of an issue, especially if you advertise that to be Not a feature. Really. That wasn't really an issue. I mean, I've, what I'm reading right here to this fancy matrix is that you like the only solution was to essentially delete your character. Yeah, and but start that over. that has nothing to do with the name reservation. Because okay. the, the name reservation still reserved your name on a server. Mm-hmm. If you made your if you made your character on a different server, it would block you from being able to make from using that name. So your name reservation was still intact correctly. Right, but, but it, like, it was, you have to you have to go through a swapping process, which starts on March 9th, Apparently, the problem was that people who could not who were who got who landed on the on the wrong server basically were unable to switch servers after the fact and so mm-hmm. these people had to effectively delete their characters and make their characters on a new server mm-hmm. but there's a lot of arguments on whether or not this is really a huge deal within the community itself because this is just 6 hours into the 96 hour um launch event essentially yeah for for uh, conqueror level or a hundred dollar level um, players, so it's not like the only people that this actually really truly affects is people who are trying to get to in in game as fast as possible, okay. which I is mean, an extremely small percentage of the population. I suppose in comparison to other online like enabled games that typically have like complete outages when they go live, this is kind of minor in the grand scheme of things, but it is still. You know, worth noting that there are things that are not working as they should. But this yeah. is not quite Diablo three error, whatever the number was. In yeah, terms of- this only affected a few, like, and only affected that one channel on that one server. Hmm. Other than that, the game's launch has been very, very smooth. I've, there's never been a queue time. Mm-hmm. You've never had to, like, you couldn't ever not make a character to join a, a server. Like, this was actually a relatively smooth release for an MMO, but. On the one hand, it's a smooth release. On the other hand, not many people know it exists. So, but it has over half a million pre-orders. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. But it okay. wasn't as bad as as a lot of people were saying. Gotcha. Uh, cool. So that's most of our news stories. Because we did talk a little bit about it here at the storm at the top. Um, so the way we you were proposing to redo how we do Steam RNG. Did you guys play any games specifically this week? For like, like that were in your backlog to talk about. I mean, does does Heroes of the Storm count? Yeah, I think you play. I don't think that's in your backlog. I'm, you're right. It's not. Okay, Trey. But, what about you? Have you? Or has it just been mostly Stardew Valley and Ark for you? That's been the majority of my time. Though I did end up actually going back and uh, trying to finish off Grand Theft Auto Five because I haven't actually beat the main story of that yet. Okay. Well, I, I mean, that's still pretty new-ish, but how is that game holding up for you right now? I mean, it's it's still the same game. Uh, I haven't played much of the online stuff. I'm just doing storyline because I am just trying to finish through that, and I think I'm on the last mission now. Okay. Uh, for me, I took a look at a game that I hadn't played before that was in my library called uh, Teleglitch Die More Editions from Paradox Entertainment. They do a bunch of different PC games. Mm-hmm. Sort of an overhead roguelike Doom-esque kind of shooter thing with some crafting elements. This actually kind of seems like it'd be up your alley a little bit. It's a really interesting sort of minimalist-ish art style that does some cool things with lighting. Um, I would say check that out. Uh, mm-hmm. We should get a video for that going. Uh, it's pretty cheap as well. I would definitely like take some take a look at some video stuff. Uh, I but, guess... Oh, sorry. Go for it. 
No, I, I just remembered I did play something that was in the backlog. What was that? Lego Jurassic World. Did that, you play it or did Michael play it? We both played it together. Okay. That game is fun, but it's a hot mess at the same time. Like most Lego games. I mean, it is like just a Lego formula, right? Go around, collect characters, essentially, and solve really simple-ish puzzles. Pantomime yeah, humor. But the thing, like, the... So the, for the first few movies, what they ended up doing was they extracted the audio from the movies themselves. They did that with the Lord of the Rings yeah, games as well. But Jurassic Park is a really old movie, so it doesn't have a digital version. Mm-hmm. Like a so, digital only version. So they couldn't just extract the audio files. They actually had to go in, clip it, and, and try to rebalance the audio. Well, and so I- when you listen to some of the games, especially for the Jurassic Park segment, the first movie segment, some of the audio sounds so bad. But... As a trade-off for this, though, we do get Lego Jeff Goldblum, right? Yeah. <laughs> his, his famous laugh is like the part in that in that game where he's doing the laugh bit. They mm-hmm. they just like ate that up. It was great. It was beautiful. That, that sounds wonderful. Normally, I don't check out these Lego games, so that makes me kind of want to look at this. At, at, the, at the very least, I might just go look at a YouTube video of that. But yeah, that does sound pretty fantastic. It was super good. We can, uh, but uh, so. The only down, the only negatives I have for it is that the audio, for, especially for the early films, is very iffy, mm-hmm. and there is a huge, like, is a very annoying bug to have to deal with. It's the one because Lego games are supposed to like play with two people, and it has that dynamic split screen where like the the bar kind of moves depending right. on orientation to one another. In this game, it's bugged and it will not let you do it unless you do a workaround every time a new level is loaded. That seems Ooh. poor. It's obnoxious. It's it's very annoying and disorienting, and it really messes with the re- with the real estate of the screen mm-hmm. for each player. And it's just like we managed to power through it, and we still had a good time. But for anyone who doesn't know how to troubleshoot those kinds of things, it's really annoying, and it really bugs me that the game has been out for so long, and even then, it didn't get a patch. Mm. Gotcha. Oh. Uh, um... I, yeah. ju- I had forgotten a couple days ago, I actually did decide to get on Good Old Games and uh, download and play the original Elder Scrolls Arena. Oh, wow. How'd that go? It's it's not a bad game, actually. If you like old-school RPGs, it's pretty good. It's And it is like the first-person, real-time combat elements that you recognize from the other Elder Scrolls, modern Elder Scrolls games. Like, Just I obviously, guess, the animations like, aren't quite as good of quality and the art style is questionable sometimes. And it does have those like moments of being an old game, so therefore it's hard because it's an old game that wasn't quite made mm-hmm. as it's well as it could have been. Ob- obtuse, I'm guessing, is the word. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be a good way to put it. Uh, uh, but it's pretty fun, and it's it's interesting how simplified the original one was compared to the very next one, Daggerfall. So. Mm-hmm. I like, for me, looking at those old games, the closest modern equivalent I can think of it is maybe Grimrock, but even Grimrock like had, like is locking you to squares essentially, mm-hmm. where this lets you free roam. Um, but that kind of perspective of just being first person all the time, uh, yeah, that's cool. Those games, yeah, they, they've done like grand collection releases of Elder Scrolls and stuff like that. It's good to know that those still. How hard was it to get up and running? Like I'm assuming oh, it's well, going I got through it off DOSBox. Those... Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm using the. Uh... Gog uh, Galaxy thing, mm-hmm. and so if you get it off of there, it configures DOSBox completely for you and everything. Most of the stuff on Gog's like that anyway. That's cool. That's good to hear. Uh, last thing that's actually not on the dock, but Miguel and I will probably go talk just for a little bit, at least a little bit about um, 
we've rented Street Fighter V uh, last weekend and had an evening playing a lot of that. Um, I guess if that's a word you want to use, you actually kind of beating my ass over and over with Cam was <laughs> more like it. But yeah. uh, So the victory was... Uh, was it like 29 to 1? Kevin again? to me 28. Okay, there we go. I, 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 as, it was mostly me playing Charlie and trying to learn Charlie and also discovering mechanics as we go along. Like, what is Charlie's it? obnoxious. Those EX moves, like that flash kick that you couldn't counter and such. It's, I, did, uh, yeah. I didn't realize how to even do those until about my 15th loss, but then I got it. So there, My impression of this game is is that this game is a lot more aggressive than Street Fighter 4 ever was, ever wanted to be. Everything we're seeing right now is that matches typically last shorter than Street Fighter 4, so that's, and there are other mechanics in there as well that help to emphasize that. The newest thing right now, the V trigger and V skill system, which I guess is probably the, in my mind, you correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of a MOBA-esque take on the fighting games, where everybody has a unique skill that's themed to their character that they can input with, um, I think it's medium punch, medium kick, um, and it charges up a bar different from which your critical arts or your super moves are, essentially. And you have different levels of that bar per character, and they do different things. Like, they might power up your moves, or they might do a super powerful move, or they might suck you in like a tornado. I don't understand why you keep trying to accredit this kind of design to MOBAs. Well, it feels this very much... to do with, with a MOBA. It feels a lot like how League of Legends, for example, does passives on characters. There are, and they theme a sort of playstyle that they want you to mess around with, but they're located and viewed in the same way for each character and usually performed in the, in something in a similar way. See, I, w- I wouldn't describe them like that. Okay. It, it, for some characters, this is definitely the case. But for mm-hmm. others, it's like Cammy's is just, she does uh, her spin knuckle. Right. That's it. And that was something that was like from a prior game. Yeah, like that was one of her regular specials from any other game. So it that does that logic doesn't apply for every character, but right. it certainly is like they're really. I, I I agree that it's trying to um, help certain characters with certain play styles, like mm-hmm. with Dazim, his carpet giving him uh, zone control and stuff like that. And but, like, argu- like arguably, like Ryu and Ken, it's like one of their distinguishing features between the two. One of them has a parry now, and the other one has a dash. And that, I mean, along with the way that the hit, way that moves for Ken now are so different than it used to be, it's still a pretty big playstyle change up for what used to be very similar characters. But I, I wouldn't con- like that's not an effect of this system. Mm-hmm. Ryu's is uh, a callback to Street Fighter Three Third Strike, right? Like, like and the whole. Daigo, Mahara, Chun-Li thing, everyone's been clamoring for a new counter system, and so instead of it making it system-wide, they made it character-wide, and for Ken, Ken does not play similarly to any of his older older iterations at all, right. and it's less of a because they have different passes, more because they overhauled what Ken is supposed to do entirely. Mm-hmm. Give him a different identity from Ryu. Exactly. Um, right. I, like, I just don't agree with the MOBA description, Okay, because it's not like these characters have Four different abilities and a super. Uh, fighting games have always had supers. Fighting games have always had special powers, like special. Super- no, yeah, I agree that like obviously the moveset is wider. It's just in regards to a small aspect of the character and making them stand out different. Like once again, only Ryu does the out, does the uh, third strike counter. Nobody else or parry. Nobody. But else you does. could say stuff like this for any version of Street Fighter, like. It- Every character plays differently no matter what version of Street Fighter you, you're talking about. Even in Street Fighter 4, you had some supers or some ultras that just 
weren't just flat out right super but every attack. everybody had a focus attack though for example right yeah but that's a focus attack that was right. a system level thing it's like saying that you can't block in a game but the like, system level thing here for everybody is more diverse than it's ever been i su- i mean that's like saying that the ultra is a system is like a system level thing but everyone's is unique like I mean, the way, like, their hyped up moves have got to get charged, but I don't know, like, a teleport it's, is just different from, like, powering up your fist to me. But what's the, like, but, but the thing there is that you're saying that he has a teleport, but Dawsium has a teleport, and his is a special. Like, mm-hmm. that's not comparable. I mean, but Dawsium can do his more often than Charlie can, for example. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that this isn't something that is locked behind a system. That's just, like, if it were, then Dawsium wouldn't have that capacity to do that. Hmm. Maybe just not wording myself cor- correctly. I understand that you're saying that, that there is more kind of... Character identity, I guess, is the word there, I want to There use. is a more transparent mechanic that, to some people, defines a character even better. Like, Dawsium's, his V-skill is that he can hover in the air mm-hmm. for about a second. And he can do that whenever he wants, essentially. Yeah. But right. then his V-trigger is the carpet. Right, which he can only do once he, like, per- mostly once, maybe twice in a match. But I would, I would see, from my perspective, I wouldn't call these MOBA elements. I would call these revenge elements. Like, the V-triggers, they charge very similarly to how Ultras would charge up in Smash 4, in Smash 4, in, Ultras, in Street Fighter 4. Do damage, take damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that, like is, for me, like, the most interesting part is trying to learn people's V-triggers, V-skills. I never figured out V-reversals and trying to figure out how those mix into my playstyle or how the opponents do. For example, when you were playing Cami a bunch, not only when I would see you have a full charge in Critical Arts, but also when your uh, V-gauge was full, I knew that I needed to stop throwing Sonic Booms because you would always exploit me by hitting with your... Was it Cannon Knuckles? Is that what you called it? (laughs) (laughs) Cannon Knuckles. No. What spiral arrow or spiral cannon arrow. drill. It cannon depends drill. What, what version of the game you're talking about. But I you think you you think you mostly yeah you would almost always be able to well, use the trigger to get a bunch of free hits on me. Invincibility. Yeah, essentially. Um, but this is this, like so like for like the fighting system stuff though, like that's this is all really good and interesting, right? I, I like it. I like um I like what really gets me is that especially with Nash, but I noticed this on other on a lot of other characters is there is a very small window to punish in this game. Mm-hmm. It's just punish when people use a special. In Ultra Street Fighter Four, it felt like you had an eternity. Like someone would do a special, and you're like, "Oh, you done goofed. Let mm-hmm. me just murder you right now." In this game, it's like Nash is he, he, there. He goes doing his flip kicks again. Uh, just I mean, stand here and not do anything. Apparently, that is very safe from everything what I've read. So yeah, uh, let's see. It's good that the game is like once you're into it is. Has enough mechanical complexity, but is still not unapproachable because the rest of the package was anemic by comparison, at least in my eyes. Like no arcade mode. Yeah, is, is that's I think that's a pretty big complaint. Yeah, I heard about that. That sounds like a horrible idea in a fighting game. The never, story mode like, being like only one or two fights for most characters. Is, for me, ar- in an arcade mode in a fighting game has only ever been to unlock characters or unlock costumes. Yeah, like, and it's I mean, never been to play it for the sake of having an arcade mode. That's what like. For me, I use it for like getting initially like the controls under my feet, like and training like mode for you can do yeah like there's training mode for that, and if you have somebody to play against this versus two, albeit it's a little bit more demoralizing to lose twenty eight games almost in a row, but still like 
you need to either have a good online connection for this or to have somebody that you can play locally pretty often, or I would say that this is probably not a good purchasing value, at least yeah. right now, until the March update. For, and, for the non-competitive most... gamer, I would agree. I think that they should have left it as a pre-order thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, but then, but then here's the issue, actually. They had to have released it early for Evo, not because people couldn't access it online like that at all, but because people who don't like who have prohibitive internet they can't mm-hmm. just download the game so they right. would have to have the retail release so it's I could... like i mean that was the thing though that people have been saying is that this was probably released for the competitive scene this early and, right? I, th- and I think that it's it's a little like my only worry is that you in terms of, like when for people that are new to the fighting game like scene that want to hop on like the newest game is always the best place to do it at because like everyone's starting out from the beginning again to to a degree and i mean there is obviously skill transfer from the tree fighter four to five but like there's not much point in playing four anymore when five is going to be where the main scene is for a lot of people so the the best uh metaphor would be super smash brothers melee so my, my only worry, though, is that because there are things that are lacking from this release that you're going to have some new time players are just going to be turned off. Because, you know, for me, like, V-triggers and V-skills, if we spent, you know, a good ten minutes, like, talking about, like, they're not explained at all in the game. You need to go at an outside resource well, to look this up. But the problem with that is that you never try the challenges. You never try the, the training rooms or anything. So it's hard to say if it hasn't been explained because in the previous versions of the game, mm-hmm. like in... Street Fighter 4, uh, they, like, all these EXs, the, the focus attacks and stuff like that, they would be explained to you by virtue of you playing those missions. Those. Right. I mean, I've looked at videos of it and I haven't seen anything, but maybe I'll And that's I did also miss a very classic fighting game thing to do, is to not explain everything. Right, to have the community secrets and things like that, and oh, you need to, you know, fight so many stages and just get kicks in Mortal Kombat if you want to go fight. Is it Jade or Reptile that you did that? I can't remember. Um, toasty. Anyways. Uh, but any, there are features that are being launched in March to the game, like the shop, for example. You'll be able to go spend your fight money and unlock their first new character, I think. Alex? Uh, Alex, yeah. The, th- yeah. the Street Fighter 3 mascot character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also, And this game also has a simultaneous PC release, but Everybody's going to be playing this on PS4, as far as we can tell, for frame rate reasons, mostly. Um, as well as, I guess, controller support. But what about the, the character model swaps? Uh, yeah, no, those are... You need Did to go you look see up the just, Ryu one? I haven't seen that yet. Oh, I need, it's beautiful. Chun-Li's still my favorite, the fact that there are extra sets of legs on her. Um, this game did not get an arcade release in Japan. How does that make you feel? Um, I don't know. I... I mean, it doesn't really make me feel one way or the other. I don't live in Japan, but it is surprising. Normally, the way that these games happen is that they come out on arcade first, and then six mm-hmm. months to a year down the road, the console version come out. But, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is probably a symptom of Sony funding this, essentially. And it is probably just like a sign of the times, and it's amazing that arcades have gone on as long as they have. But, you know, for the fighting game community, like, arcades have played an important part in, like, fostering the community itself and, like, help to contribute to the diversity that is the FTC. I would say that for here, definitely. Mm. I don't know about how the fighting game community in Japan works, though. Mm. Uh, did you play any more of Street Fighter uh, before you ended up taking back to the Redbox? Oh, I didn't have the time. I had. To, I had. To, I came home and I was like, "Oh shit! I don't want to pay three more dollars for this game." Mm-hmm. 
But for like a three dollar rental, just for I assume beating me over and over, it must have been worth, worth the money. it. Yeah. I mean, sure, I guess. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe picking it up on PS4 or something. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be. I think. Let's see. No, you're posting so me. The crossplay ah. between this game and PS4 mm-hmm. and PC, and like it's like. And the Paragon PC PS4. I was speaking to a lot of people, and they didn't even realize it. Like, um, what is it? My friend Charlie. He was talking about Paragon. He was like, he doesn't know if he cares, if he wants to play, if he wants to touch it. And mm-hmm. I was like, but it has crossplay on PC PS4. And he was like, fucking yes, I want to buy that game. And I was like, wow, that was a big seller for him. Yeah. And I was that's... like, whoa, like I didn't think that would be so like that important. They really need to actually tell people that that's because I mean... right now everyone that I've talked to. Think that it's just coming out on PC and PS4, not that it's crossplay between PC and PS4. Mm. I mean, it just makes sense to do that, in my opinion, with this type of a game. Just given that it would give you that many more people to be able to play against one another. Like, so, I mean, and Microsoft has sort of been following suit with this, but Sony has been like pretty good so far with doing PC PS4 cross support. Well, um, it's like, not so much that P- that PS4 is supporting it but it's more mm. so that xbox is denying it yeah the only game that isn't a first or second party game that is going to be cross play or cross buy on p on xbox one and pc is the gigantic game and mm. that's an indie game well let's see quantum break is doing the like you buy it on p on yeah, xbox one you get a you get a copy of it on pc and fable legends whenever that decides to come out is also going to do yeah. cross but, that's, PC, but, but like one. I said, that's first or second party. Right. I mean, no, like, Street Fighter... Forget, PS3, like mm-hmm. Portal 2 have PS3, PC crossplay. That is an easy fact to forget, though, to be PS2 fair. had Final Fantasy XI, which was PC and PS2. PS4 and PS3 both support the PC on crossplay as well. This is not new behavior for Sony. This is just... Uh, it the, feels like another thing that Xbox is trying to recapture that they are screwing themselves out of because they have this closed network. Mm-hmm. But like, I think this is starting to become more the norm, which is a good thing, to say the least. I don't know how Smite ends up working with that, but um, I guess you want to get some new stuff. And once again, full disclosure, I work for Epic, but uh, Paragon got announced that it's it's got a early founders package for oh, $20, yeah. and I think it's March 18th, I want to say. I think you so. can start buying it on March 14th, and then it, it opens up on March 18th. But it's been released now publicly that the game is going to be free to play. Yep. So um, if you don't feel like getting in on the early, like, you can wait, obviously, and hop into that. But if you want to start playing, then, like, March 18th is the time to do it. So, uh, yeah. 20 uh, bucks. Yeah. I'm... I don't know. I uh, I can. That's that's all I can say. Anyways, uh, I think it's gonna do it for the show today. Uh, so real quick outro stuff. Uh, for more news and articles related to the podcast, please check out pixelloadout.wordpress.com on YouTube. You can search Pixel Loadout, uh, or you can. Uh, don't need to put the subscribe button because this is not going up on YouTube. Uh, if you're uh, listening to streaming archive, obviously you know like subscribe us all that. Uh, audio-only versions of the podcast are found on iTunes and Stitcher, which I guess, yes, this will only be an audio-only version. I really need to change this stuff around. Uh, the music uh, in our intro is done by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of his stuff at incompetech.com. Our outro music is done by Macross82-99. Find his stuff at soundcloud.com slash macross-82-99. 
Um, our executive producer is Mike Brothers. And finally, if you want to get in contact with us, share your questions, comments, or concerns, email us at pixelorthat at gmail.com. Uh, guys, it's going to do it for today. Thank you for, well, once again, uh, getting together with me and just talking a bit about the video games. Yeah. Uh, hopefully be able to do another one of these sometime next week, but I guess I start work next week, so my schedule might be a little bit up in the air. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for Pixeletta, I'm Kevin Harrison. I'm Tracy. And I'm Miguel Torres. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Bye.